Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When your entire life is online, you need more than just speed from your internet. Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage, plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch, now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture, and when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space, just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Music, a Saturday episode uh, as we squeeze in one more episode this bye week where we're going to talk about the midseason roster evaluation, looking at the offense this week. Ken McCusick, how you doing? Life's good, Josh. How about you? I'm doing all right. I mean, it's it's the weekend. Can't complain. There you go. So uh, this will be nice because it's an offensive – it's a good time to break down the offense because, like we said when we were looking into the defense, it all really comes down to – tomorrow's game Sunday's game against the Bengals as far as this season could be over or we're hanging on there with the threat yeah that's right I mean the the this game is terrifically important it will greatly boost the Ravens chance to win the wild card if you look at some measures by DeVoa and their the playoff odds report out on football outsiders the Ravens actually is still a favorite to win the last wild card spot 
So but, from that perspective, you know, it's a better it's a better position. But that doesn't really take into account all the turmoil that's going on with the with the quarterback situation right now. Yeah, and it it's been a weird week with the quarterback situation. Uh, with Joe seen on crutches, I got reports that Joe was seen last night walking around perfectly fine. He went to his favorite <laughs> he went to his favorite pizza place and got some uh, got some pizza. No crutches in the in the place. No crutches as a topping, huh? No, no not right. yet. Apparently, he goes here every Friday, so we might need to set up shop up there in a few weeks. That'd be smart. So, all right, uh, let's get into the offense. We're going to break this down just like we did the defense. Five categories, and we're going to start with your young producers. All right, so I know people are probably familiar with this by now, but young producers, again, first contract guys, they're playing on the cheap, and these are the guys you need a bunch of to beat the cap. If you want to outperform the cap. So uh, anyway, the, you can ask the question a number of ways is how do I get off the treadmill? How do I improve my roster? It's all about getting more young guys who play cheap and, and beat the cap for you. The Ravens have three guys in this category. Uh, Mark Andrews, Alex Collins, and Ronnie Stanley. So Ronnie Stanley playing for first round money, but he's still cheap at left tackle. Alex Collins, some people would say, you know, he's not in this group anymore. But yeah, Alex I would, Collins, I would lean that way. He's got six touchdowns this year and just over 100 carries. So I, 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 I did question whether or not I moved him, needed to move him back into developmental. But I think he's still one of the one of the Ravens' key players. That's and then Mark Andrews is having a real good rookie year. Yeah, let, let's keep telling everyone that that Alex Collins is a young producer. So then we can trade him, or move him, or do <laughs> something with him. But uh. Oh. Yeah, do you want to, Mark Andrews is the guy in that group that excites me, which is weird because we drafted a tight end, and he's not in this young producer segment. Well, we dra- drafted Andrews as well, so he's also a rookie. But, no, but, but I mean high, a high. That, you're, you're right. Draft. So Hurst is still developmental due to the injuries he's had so far. But but Mark Andrews, uh, proven to be a good uh, snatcher of the ball, really uses his hands to catch. Uh, has found ways to use his body well to get open. Uh, just been very impressed with him as a receiver. And it's been some of the good stuff, not just the over-tough middle of the field, I'm going to hang on when somebody hits me stuff, which is important. But he's stretched uh, the area between the linebackers and the safeties a fair amount and uh, done good things in, in terms of catching the ball somewhat deep. Gotcha. And I, we went over Patrick Ricard in the defense. I'm guessing this is where you would put him on the offense as well. I, I would have put him in. I would have put him in the young producer category, and I did before the season started. But his role is just not large enough. And so what I think is going to happen is Ricard is a is a utility player for the Ravens who does a lot of things pretty well. But he's he can be a fullback. He can be a tight end who can block for you. He could even be that emergency offensive lineman, as we talked about on the defensive show. And, and of course, he plays defensive line. How much he plays on the defensive line is really going to determine, I think, at this point, how he is in the young producer. He caught a couple touchdown passes. They could have used him in the offense more, but they just really haven't used him very much in the offense at all this year. All right. Um, I want to move on to the developmental. I'm guessing that's why the same reason as Hayden Hurst and Ricard is probably the same reason that Orlando Brown as well is moved into the developmental, just not enough time on the field yet. Not enough time on the field yet and, and not enough uh, extraordinary playing time either. But we'll, we'll talk about each of these guys individually because yeah. the developmental category is the most important group. These are the guys who have a chance to break through and become young producers. Some of them really are really running out of time for that. They're still on their rookie deals. So they're cheap. But they're basically, we kind of know who they are, and they're not going to be young producers. Okay. I was getting excited about 13 guys in this category. Now, <laughs> now you've got some question marks. So let's get through these guys, and let's start with Buck Allen. Yeah, well, there's one of the question marks right there. Uh, you know, Allen is short on the performance end. He's, he's obviously paid just fine exactly what you'd like to pay a guy in his fourth year. But he has a low yards per touch figure still, 2.7 yards per catch. 5.6 yards per reception. Obviously, neither of those are, are, are good. He, he, people will make excuses about a lot of his runs being near the goal line and whatnot. Not, it's not that many of his runs that you can justify 2.7 yards per carry. So uh, he's done some things as a receiver. He's improved slightly as a pass blocker, but without any form of explosiveness, and he really hasn't shown any of that, uh, he just is, is not a player that the I don't think that's going to be a part of the Ravens' future. He'll be a free agent at the end of the season, which means, of course, you start paying market value for the player. So it, it's uh, 
it's a lot less exciting even if you do re-sign him and it's you know two years four million or something it'd be pretty cheap um it's it's not going to be a contract that anybody else couldn't also have gotcha um, all right, what about uh, Nick Boyle? I feel like we haven't seen him as much this year with the up-and-coming tight ends. Yeah, I mean, as a pass catcher, he's definitely been used less. He's used as, he's targeted more in past years, but but it's also his catch percentages have gone way down. He had a 79% catch rate in his first three seasons. This year it's 52 in the first nine weeks, so that's not good. Um, the Ravens need a good blocking tight end, and he's their best. Uh, so he's been active for that reason, and he's been been good about uh, handling his blocking assignments. But his performances as a receiver and his suspension history in particular are going to really limit his market value. And he, again, is a free agent after this year, too, unrestricted. Gotcha. Um, we've gotten to see a lot of Bozeman lately with all these injuries. Yeah, so we saw, we saw a fair amount of him in the preseason. In fact, I think he played... Uh, because the Ravens played five games, he was up in the top ten in terms of total snaps during the preseason. Orlando Brown might have been number one uh, then. There might have been one other guy. Uh, but anyway, he had his longest trial against the Saints, played pretty well. Since then, he's had a calf injury that's kept him on and off the field. So, you know, they've had Ronis Grasso taking snaps, which has really been a disaster. And they've had Alex Lewis back at left guard, and he didn't play well in his first game back there. So um, Bozeman is a guy who who put in a pretty strong showing in his first full game against the Saints. And, and I'm, I was excited to see more playing time from him. It just hasn't happened. Uh, he probably will compete for a spot at guard or center next year. All right. So that, that's, a, that's a plus for him, keeping yeah. him around. Uh, uh, Illuminor, I was kind of surprised that we've been seeing him kind of fill in some holes on this line. Yeah, fill, fill in and fill in, honestly, very well at left tackle. If the Ravens... Uh, the Ravens lost these games anyway, but you know it could have been a lot worse, or somebody could have gotten hurt if Illuminor hadn't played as well as he had. Uh, he, he did allow a couple of pass events, pass rush events, a, a quarterback hit and a sack on plays that were ultimately uh, reversed by penalty, which kind of bailed him out of some of his, his grade. Uh, but he but he had a you know a solid C in his effort against the Steelers, and that's uh, not an easy thing to do for a for a rookie lineman thrust into left tackle where he's not used to playing. Uh, Illuminor is one of the players who underscores the general problem with the Ravens' offensive line, is that it's an extremely well-coached unit, and they have a lot of guys who are definitely not in the first tier. That's that's about all I'm willing to say about them right now. They're definitely not in the first tier. They might or might not be uh, a second-tier player. I think if you looked at these five guys I'm going to name, Bozeman, Illuminor, Lewis, Skura, and Siragusa, I think you'll see that there is probably one guy there who ends up being a starter in the NFL for more than one season. So Skura's already done it, you know, pretty much for a season and a half. I'm not, I'm just counting seasons going forward from now. Gotcha. So, so it, it, there, there, there's probably a guy somewhere in there who's going to start for at least a season in the NFL. And there's probably another guy who's a backup in the NFL for, for several seasons. And the rest of them, they got to kind of decide what they have and, and set their sights a little higher because as, as well as the offensive line has been patched together this season, they're going to need more in terms of star power and more in terms of, of higher levels of performance to really make the offensive line the strength of the team, which ought, it ought to be with this coaching unit. With Roman and Dallas Sandris, who's proved to be an excellent rep-by-rep teacher, um, I just I think that the Ravens are going to need to, to – try and make the offensive line again the strength of the team in order to have a good offense. When you look at how the Ravens were rebuilt at the beginning of the Harbaugh era, it was the offensive line that was really outstanding. That was the that was the part of the game offensively that really had it together. They had they had Jared Gaither for a couple of years when Gaither actually was trying and was good. They they had of course Grubbs and Yonda at guard. They had Burke at center for a period of time who was outstanding. And at right tackle, they had a rotation of guys with Wagner and uh, Willie Anderson and uh, Michael Orr in his first year who were, who were quite good. So it, it was a great unit for a while, and the Ravens could get back to that with this type of coaching if they can be a little more selective in terms of the players they've got. Gotcha. I mentioned Hayden Hurst earlier. Um, should I be concerned? I guess it stands out that he's not in the uh, young producer's but should I be concerned that such a high draft pick is in the developmental section? I'm, I mean, I don't know if concern is really the right word. We've seen a very tiny flashes from Hurst, but it's really difficult to pull out anything positive from his year so far because he's caught only four of ten balls 
Most of that is a matter of the injury. Obviously, it only have 10 targets. But the last couple of weeks, he hasn't been on the field as much as I would have expected relative to Andrews or relative to Boyle. Uh, Hurst is supposed to be that all-around guy who can both catch the ball and maybe not as well as Andrews, but uh, maybe not get open as well as Andrews. He's more like a receiver, let's put it that way. But he can also play in line and be a good blocker, but just not as well as Boyle. So you know, you have this limitation on both sides. What plays into Hurst's favor going forward, I think, is that the Ravens' tackles uh, do need help in terms of getting chip blocks. Even, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of Orlando Brown, but he still needs help, even though Hurst needed more. And, uh, you know, on the other side, Stanley has had a myriad of injuries, so he's he's had a lot of help the last couple of years and probably will continue to get it. Um, the way that the Ravens have kept Flacco upright has been um, uh, good, in terms of the, the additional chip blocking and set blockers they've used on both sides. So I think there'll be more opportunity for him, but it, it's a, you know, he needs to start converting these opportunities on a regular basis. He needs to be, if Lamar Jackson is playing or if RG3 is playing, he needs to be the go-to guy for those two quarterbacks. And, you know, just be a guy who, who is known to catch a ball in a tight space, use his body well, get open somehow, extend the play now, very important with those two guys at quarterback that you have intelligent play extenders, and that Andrews and Hurst uh, each could be that guy uh, in terms of being fairly close to the quarterback as that play is being extended. Gotcha. And speaking of that quarterback, it's actually exciting to have a uh, quarterback that's listed in the developmental as a backup, at least. You know, that is kind of cool, you, you got to say. So Jackson is there, of course. Um, what I say about him is the things he's done already on third down and to convert convert some plays there to do some things well in terms of creating explosive, explosive splash plays. There hasn't been a ton of that, but he's almost at a level that I would want out of a young producer. Now he's a first round draft pick. Uh, you know, maybe I should be grading, grading him on a different curve, but it's not like Hayden Hurst where he really hasn't done anything or hasn't done very much. Um, so far this season, Jackson has, has had some highlights and has done some things that have really helped the Ravens. Uh, and particularly in terms of converting third downs. And this third and two, third and three, third and four conversion specialist is quite valuable in the NFL. If you can find a guy who can improve your chances by 10% at those distances, say, you know, that's a big deal. So Jackson's, uh, you know, help in that particular spot is a, is a good thing. I know Flacco probably, uh, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to stop speculating on right. how Flacco feels about exactly. it, but, but okay, yeah. no quarterback could like the discontinuity of, of being taken off the field. I agree. And, being, and because of that, people think I'm a Lamar Jackson hater. I'm, I'm not. I'm just uh, not sure he's ready for full-time yet, so I kind of think it's weird how they've been using him. But it is exciting that by the end of the season, he could be in that young producer slot. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, Jordan Lasley. Okay, well, disappointing season for Jordan Lasley. Again, kind of like Illuminor, he's the microcosm of the Ravens' issue at wide receiver. So let's just get into it kind of broadly here, is that the Ravens continue to be on this wide receiver free agent treadmill. And in order to break that cycle, um, they need to break away from some of these free agents as their top receivers and give opportunities to players like Lasley. You know, Chris Moore is a guy who had a terrific preseason, just was one of the Ravens' really top players. Looked fantastic in camp. Connection with Flacco was very obvious. Um, has the ability to, to, to get down the field and make a contested catch now that he didn't really seem to have before and he's caught 12 of 15 balls this year 80 percent and they've been some they've included some long ones so you know we're we're getting to the point i don't i just don't understand how they can't get chris Moore more snaps and more targets and if you can't get chris Moore more snaps and more targets how the hell are you going to get jordan lasley an activation right. at some point so uh you know they, they need to, at some point they need to decide as much as they you know seem to be okay with the current wide receiver group and and you know we're going to talk about each of them in their own turn, but they played okay as a group. I don't think they played great. Um, you know, you, you've got to try and, and look to 2019 at some point, decide what you have with Lasley and, uh, and, you know, at least take your shot with him because everybody else is gone for the season. Jaleel Scott, for example, is gone for the year. So uh, Lasley is the one guy along with Moore that they could see a little bit more of what they have. And let's get into Moore right now then. Let's pair them together because Moore is the guy who keeps exciting me on special teams and I keep wanting him to be on the field more. 
Yeah, I mean, he's exciting player, always has been. You know, they try and find ways to get him into the offense with some jet sweeps. They use him a lot like they used to use Campanero in, in terms of uh, doing that. He's a better receiver, I think, than, than Campanero was, certainly in terms of, of his ability to stretch the field. But, but also, I think, in terms of his ability to use his body to, to make a catch and to make a catch over the defender. Um, you know, Campan- that wouldn't be something that would be a Campanero specialty. Um, but he's in the final year of his rookie deal next year. I mean, it's time to figure out what you have to try and determine if you want to extend this guy. I mean, he's a, he's a, um, a player that they want to put an appropriate valuation on. I'd hate some team that knows better how to develop receivers and, frankly, how to scout receivers – that would figure out what we have in more, get him from us on the cheap, and make him into a valuable player. So uh, he's he's the first receiver I really felt like that was a risk in a while. Um, I guess that Carolina did make something out of Ed Dixon, but uh, but more is um, you know he's a he's a player who may have some value, and the Ravens need to figure out what it is. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, speaking of figuring it out, Alex Lewis has is constantly in this developmental category. All right. Well, he's in his third year now, so he hurt hurt a year after a okay hurt after a half year of his rookie year when he when he played pretty well at guard and not well at all at tackle, which led me to believe when I see divisions like that, I say, okay, that guy should be just left at guard, and we'll see what he can do. And you know, they messed around um, they, last year. They he, did, he lost the entire season, of course, and then this year they messed around with talking about him moving to center and actually had him playing a fair number of reps there in camp, not at all during the preseason, but in camp. And I don't know if that held us back his, his growth or not, but um, I think more than anything right now, he needs to focus on being a good guard. If he can be a good guard, you know, we can entertain the discussion of whether or not he's a center candidate next year, because there'll be lots of time in the off season to figure it out. But right now he needs to be a good guard. And uh, he's had an up and down season. His last game was not a good one. And there is a risk uh, you know, if Hurst had been healthy, that he would have lost his job right away from it. Um, he had two Bs before then, as I scored it. Uh, I have him, you know, basically as a as about a C or C minus grade for the entire year now. Uh, he definitely needs to put it together and needs to use whatever opportunity he has yet for playing time at left guard. He needs to really, really step up and and get the job done because he's at risk of being replaced at this point. Right. Um... Yeah, so another young guy who will be here next year is Greg Sinat. Yeah, so Greg Sinat, uh, small school draft pick by DaCosta, obviously somebody who excites him in terms of the scouting, uh, has the size, length, and feet for um, uh, left tackle only. He will not be a right tackle. Um, he's uh, a guy who uh, is purely developmental in nature. He might have been IR'd by mysterious injury had not an actual injury occurred right <laughs> and uh you know he was some he was somebody the ravens actually i i honestly thought they needed as a backup left tackle with stanley's injury history but uh, you know they found other solutions to the problem that have, have remarkably worked out so far uh you know that could collapse at any time but sonata is the guy who really brings something that no one else on the roster does in terms of being a pure left tackle backup uh, he won't be expensive, and the Ravens will have him for at least three more seasons since he's a draft pick. So it, it, he's an exciting guy to have on your roster um, uh, and, and know that maybe you've got a solution um, available. And he's not in the group of the other five linemen that I mentioned where the Ravens need to kind of sift through them and decide what they have. Those guys are all primarily interior linemen that the Ravens need to decide if they have any value. So not, there's not a question of whether or not he has some specific – you know, useful purpose on this team. He does. It's the question is, is, is he good enough in his case? And, and he'll get that opportunity in next preseason and, and probably by playing some snaps in 2019 at some point. Right. Um, Matt Skura has held down this center role so far this season. Yeah. You know, he, he's had an up and down year and you're right. That's the best thing you can say about what he's done is that he's really held down the role. Uh, Brian Baldinger has, has put out some good analysis of the video and confirmed some things that, that I'd written in the article about Skura um, being given assignments that are kind of unreasonable. So they, they, he had one specifically that he wanted to point to where Skura was asked to make a very difficult reach block on an outside three-tech. Now, what that means is that the, the um, uh, sorry, I should say a wide three-tech. But the, the the defensive tackle was lined up over the shoulder of the left guard, over the outside shoulder from the center's perspective. 
And also, he was wide in that way. Sometimes you line up right over that shoulder to try and get the leverage directly on the shoulder you, you want. Other times, you line up wide if you want to kind of bust through the gap evenly between the tackle and the, and the left guard. And he was lined up wide in this case. Well, Lewis pulled out of that hole, and that made a very difficult reach block for Skura to have to make. Well, it's kind of unfair to, to have those kind of assignments tossed at you. So as well-coached as the line has been this year, th that schematically was kind of a, a hole in the process, probably something they should have been able to check out of in terms of the line call. Now, when you think of that, I'm not 100% sure whether Skura would have been responsible for fixing a line call in that situation. He probably does not have the authority to change that, but if he did, that would have been a, uh, a time to do it because uh, – uh, it, it created a very tough block that he could not make. And I forget whether it led to a, a pressure or a quarterback hit. I believe it was a quarterback hit on the play. And uh, it was part of his negative grading for that game. So anyway, I, my point is that, yes, the Ravens have asked Skura to do some things that are more than what a normal center would have to do. Uh, he seems to be a smart guy uh, who, who's able to handle some of that. Uh, he's had help from Yonda to get teed up on some blocks on defensive tackles, which could have been a weakness, certainly, uh, this year. But I think he's done a good job with that. And he's just overall, he's, he's had an okay season, uh, uh, about a C-minus probably overall uh, as well. And, uh, you know, he, he may be around next year. He may not. He is still cheap. So I expect he, he's the most likely to be good offensive line depth. But I don't see any obvious reason why he's a starting player next year. I think he'll have to compete to again win a job right so you're saying that what he's showing this year he'll still compete you can't light write him in yet which is I, yeah. which is a lot of these guys especially as we talked on the defense if you're going into this rebuild mode and you're bringing in new coaching staffs and everything um everyone's going to feel the pressure this year joe feels the pressure next year it's kind of on everyone yeah um you got vedvik on this list who i completely forgot about until i read his yeah. name on this list yeah, so non-football injury, a cautionary tale, certainly. Wouldn't surprise me if he's asked to speak or his story is told at the NFL Rookie Symposium because apparently he, he was injured and, and, uh, and assaulted uh, in a very bad Baltimore neighborhood. You know, people heard where the street was and everybody's asking, you know, what the, what the heck was he doing down there? Well, apparently he, he wanted to stay out late with some female companions the day after the cuts were announced or some such like that. Right. And, or maybe the night before the cuts were announced, I should say. And then he had this injury show up and, and obviously he's put on a non-football injury list now. He would have been kicking somewhere in the NFL, I'm fairly certain, this year. And I think in 2019... Uh, the question will come up as to whether or not he is traded before the year again. It's also possible that this is Sam Cook's last year and that Vedvik would take his role and be around as an emergency uh, for in-game kicking needs should that arise. Now, do many teams carry two kickers like the Ravens? No. I didn't think so. So it seems like you would just let Justin Tucker then start to, start to punt. You, no, no. I'm, what I'm saying is you, you have... Um, I mean, I mean three. You normally have a, a punter and a kicker, right? You normally okay. have a punter and kicker. Okay. So they they get rid of Cook and they and Vedvik would be the punter. And I and I'm not necessarily in favor of this. From what I've seen about Vedvik's punting, he's pretty erratic. But but if he if he comes out next year and all of a sudden that's what he's practiced in the off season, and he looks good punting. Uh, you know, it's a certain certainly a possibility. Cook makes decent money for a punter, and and at some point you got to decide you you don't want to pay for that. And if you're rebuilding, that would probably be the time. Gotcha. Uh, we missed going through this list. We missed Orlando Brown. Oh, well, we should have we should have done that. Sorry. Um, yeah, I can see I didn't even have my list in my article. I got to go fix that. Yeah, Orlando, you left Orlando Brown out of the list. And that's it's a guy that you got to fix that in your article. That's a guy everyone in Baltimore wants to know about. He's exciting. We all loved his dad. Um, and it's exciting. We want to see him succeed here. That's true, absolutely. So uh, three games at right tackle. Orlando Brown has just played okay. He's a, he's a, he's a solid C player for three straight games. Actually, a little bit uh, less grade wise than Hurst, who's had about a C plus average over those those three games over his games. The difference is that they're not giving Orlando Brown the help that they gave Hurst. So the offense is able to do more things with him in the game. Uh, he provides more value as a run blocker that doesn't necessarily show up in my scoring system. My scoring system is heavily weighted towards pass blocking, as the NFL, by the way, is now heavily weighted right. toward pa towards passing. So 
it's it's normal that that uh, he will lose some points for good run blocks uh, where other players are are and he are both getting the same grade and he's really doing a better job. I'm I'm uh, excited about what he brings to the run game. He's shown very good ability to seal, even some ability to use some limited mobility to get into level two and make blocks in, in the, on the front side of a play. I uh, haven't seen him do too much on the backside of run plays. Like I, most tackles have problems doing that, and, and definitely most mountainous tackles. But, uh, you know, it seems to have a real good attitude about his playing time, seems to have a real good um, focus on his work and trying to get better at it. And uh, and I, I expect him to, to be a, a really good player in this league. All right, good. That's exciting to hear. All right, um, here's the, I guess, veteran players with market value. That's your, your veterans that, you're not overpaying them. They're making what they're playing well enough for what they're worth, right? That's right. So, so the 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 complement to this category, the other veteran category, is veteran cap value concerns. So you definitely right. want to be a veteran playing for market value. Yes. And and there is no veteran playing for undervalue. You're just playing for market value. If even if you're playing undervalue. So we had a couple guys on defense, Anthony Levine and Brent Urban, who I think are playing. Uh, they're playing better than their contracts would uh, dictate. Right. So they they're play. a steal. But yeah, they're a steal, but they're not. They're, that's still market value. So the, the guys, there are seven guys on the offense, and unfortunately, the Wolf Pack I included in this group. So that's three of the seven right there, and that tells you right there you, you might have a problem. So you got right. four. You got four veterans playing for market value that are truly offensive players. John Brown, uh, he's had a good season. You know, he's averaging over 17 yards a catch. There'll be a market for him at the end of this year. So it's nice that the Ravens got him for one year at five million on a quote unquote prove it contract. That's actually a, a decent break from the wide receiver treadmill. The problem is they've now got to find another free agent wide receiver, whether it's Brown or somebody else, to take that spot next year, or they've got to draft the guy. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping in the end that they, they do find some draftees who can fill these spots so they can get off the treadmill. But uh, Brown, a good value this year, and, and uh, you know, downplaying what he's done would be, would be foolish at this point. He's, he's been a solid player for the Ravens. Gotcha. Um Let's see. You do. Let's just go with the other wide receiver in this group, Willie Sneed, and take care of both of them. Sure. So Willie Sneed has shown more as a receiver than uh, you know he, he was a sure thing. He he's coming off some injury years with the Saints and whatnot. But Flacco and him seem to have a connection, and Sneed runs a lot of slants and a lot of uh, quick passes in the middle of the field where the ball needs to be delivered on time. Sneed needs to catch the ball on the move and he's done a fair amount of that so i've been pretty happy with with his performance um uh not as happy as brown he's not producing the same yards per catch and he's and willie's had some drops but uh he's been largely speaking a a a player who's who's met value and he's also in that uh a lower range in terms of dollars per year so he's not a cap value concern at this point he's signed for one more year uh, one or two more years i actually forget but in any case they don't have to worry about re-signing him in 2019 uh, so they're off the off the treadmill momentarily, and he'll be a, a, a decent starting piece for the 2019 unit. All right. Uh, James Hurst has been an injury concern. He's missing this week again. Yeah, I'm, I'm concerned he may be headed to IR based on what I'm seeing here. He's obviously been out for a number of important games. Uh, it's a back injury. We, I, we heard that it may have been a slipped disc or another uh, you know, a disc-related injury, those things can be very serious, particularly for offensive linemen, obviously for anybody who's, who's an athlete. But, uh, you know, it may be a point where, where he needs to sit out the year and then come back in 2019. Gotcha. Is uh, Marshall Yamba, is this year and I guess next year the last time he's going to be under this veterans playing for market value category? You know, it's an interesting thing because they, they could extend Yanda, and I think, at the reasonable range of what the Ravens would extend him for, I think he'd probably still be a, a veteran playing for market value because he's he's one of the top guards still. So unless his play were to drop off dramatically, I think he'd, he'd still be in this category. I, I would like them to extend him, but I think at this point it's up to Marshall. He needs to decide how much football does he really want to play. He's This is his 11th season in the year at the league. I think that his reason for wanting to continue his career would be for his legacy to really decide – you know, can he make the Hall of Fame or not? He, he's on the border of that. He's certainly been good enough. He's played in the era of PFF, which is really focused on his block-by-block block scoring to a degree that could get him into the Hall of Fame on the back end. Um, he, he's, 
He's been the best guard in football for several years. There's no reason to believe he couldn't play several more years. He's come back from an injury that was very serious to his, to his ankle to play well this year. So I would love to see him play more football, but it's really all up to him at this point. Gotcha. Um, all right, now I, I left the Wolfpack alone so we can group them all together here at the end. With Morgan Cox, Sam Cook, Justin Tucker, how are you feeling about them? I mean, I, I feel fine about him. I, you know, uh, Sam Cook, in, the, in terms of of his likely longevity with the team, is probably nearing the end. He's been, you know, this is his 13th year with the team. It's hard for people to remember that sometimes. He's a holdover from the 2006 draft. So uh, he's one of the longest tenured players in that entire draft. I don't know who, who, in fact, is still left otherwise from it. But there's, you know, there's probably less than 15 players in the whole league who are still in the and that came from that draft. Uh, from from that perspective, he's, he's certainly been a great punter, but they, they're going to start asking themselves the question of value relative to cap every season for Sam and decide, do we need to uh, go with a young punter, whether that's Vedvik or somebody else they find uh, in a future year. Gotcha. Um, you're talking about people who, who are no longer around from the 2006. What about, we've even got Suggs still on this team at 2003. Yeah, so there you go. So There's, there's a few guys out there. Um, any concern with Morgan Cox, or is he just he'll be there for as, as I, long as he can? I, I, you know, the only frustration I've had with Morgan Cox over the last few years has been nothing about his snaps. They've all been great. It's been about his inability to do what he needs to do, is to stand up and, and basically touch up on these guys who are jumping over the line. And they, they made the practice illegal with a running start, but right. all you need to do is touch the guy, and it's a, it's a 15-yard penalty. So if if he would just always have that in mind, nobody can line up over top of him. It's you know the, one of the things he needs to do, other than snap the ball directly, is to make sure then from that position you get up and you and you right. touch up if anyone's jumping over you and you and that's a penalty. So anyway, how about, how about a, a taller helmet, bigger shoulder pads? Can we just increase his size a little bit? And then, yeah, I... all right, can you say anything bad about Justin Tucker? No, I'm 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 happy with where he is. Uh, all of his Real issues have been blocks, except for the one extra point. Justin Tucker has made 19 consecutive field goals between 50 and 57 yards. So he hasn't. He's he's had some misses on very long kicks, where he's kicked from 58 plus, and he's had a couple blocks inside of 50. But he's not missing field goals otherwise. And the 50 to 57 yard stat, that's one of the most amazing statistics I've ever seen. I mean, I just that's where a lot of your game winner field goals come from that range. I mean, sure. That's that's you got a pretty important uh, critical end end of point. half field yes. goals. I mean, and if the rest of the league is making fifty percent of the kicks in in that point, I mean your your value to your team is absolutely freaking enormous on those nineteen kicks. So you're you're uh, if the rest of the league makes half the kicks and you make them all from that distance, right? That's just <laughs> it's <laughs> right. enormously more valuable. Sure. Speaking of market value. Um, all right, let's get to the concerns, the veteran caps with value concerns. You got Michael Crabtree and Joe Flacco in this. Let's start with Crabtree because Flacco's got the fun one. Okay, so so Crabtree um, last year and and for several years now, his catch rate has been been slowly dribbling down. Uh, part of it is he has more difficulty getting separation at this point in his career because he's not as fast. And although he uses his body well, last year his catch rate was held down by the fact that he was Derek Carr's bailout guy. So Carr would run around the pocket, and then he'd, he'd throw the ball to Crabtree at the end when there was nobody else, and that created a lot of contested catches for Crabtree that would uh, be difficult for him to, to to make with a defender on him. He had a high percentage of passes defensed last year. So he's had some passes defensed this, uh, uh, this year, but he's also had a lot of drops, and his catch rate has dropped to uh, a career low in a 53.9% uh, catch rate so far this season. If that doesn't improve, he's not going to be a Raven in 2019. I mean, he, you can't keep a guy on the team with a, who's a wide receiver with a 54% catch rate. Um, uh, you know, who's expected to be you know one of your top guys. Right. As some of that is on Flacco, obviously, but a lot of it is on Crabtree himself. And it's just he's he is among the league leaders in drops. He had eight drops last time I checked. And it's just something that he needs to improve his own focus and his own ability to to make catches and his own ability to use his body well to make catches. Um, the one thing we have seen good out of Crabtree this year is his ability to use his feet in the end zone. Uh, we've seen that in the preseason. We've seen it during the regular season. Is he's been a good toe tapper, so he hasn't lost that ability. 
But the other the other things, the other going up for the ball and being able to outjump an opponent and using his body to block out people needs to be better. Gotcha. All right, Joe Flacco, um, we all know he's got his contract because he bet on himself, not only won the Super Bowl, won the Super Bowl MVP. That means you're going to get paid, and Joe Flacco has gotten paid. But here we are years later, and we've got to be concerned about his salary. Yeah, and, and it will be a concern going forward. It's just the nature of his contract is such that they're just entering the period where he can be cut, and it's not a um, overwhelming amount of dead money created by doing so. So in 2019 is really the first year where that's true, um, and they can they can spread the cut over two seasons and, and have it not cost too much. But uh, the other thing, I, I want to look back at a couple of things here. First is Joe has played extremely well the last 14 games. He's got 21 touchdowns, eight interceptions. The Ravens' offense has been very good over the period. He's got almost 4,000 yards during those 14 games. You know, a 16-game season, 4,000 yards is kind of a— uh, a benchmark that Flacco had trouble attaining for the first time, mm-hmm. but you know, 21 touchdowns and eight interceptions in that period of time—that's a—that's a hell of a run. And you know, we we seem to forget that. And you know, Lamar Jackson's obviously very popular. A lot of cases, it's also putting up a microphone and just saying, you know, tell us what you think's not fair about the world, and and we're recording it here. And the guys who step up to the microphone aren't the guys saying, you know what? I've always found life is pretty darn fair, and right. I, you know. <laughs> Uh, it's it's angry people who step yeah, up to that mic. Of course, and the backup quarterback's always the favorite in town. Yeah. Um, what has happened to that dead money? So, all right, so you let's go down this path of the Ravens cut Joe Flacco. Mm-hmm. Joe Flacco is a proven quarterback. Someone else is going to sign him. Do the Ravens still have to eat that dead money? Yeah, they have to eat that dead money no matter what. And next year, the number is approximately sixteen million next year. But if they if they release him after June first. They can spread it over two years and have take eight million each year. Now they might want to do it over two years, or then if they're in full reboot mode, they might want to just get rid of it in one year. Right. And if you look back to the 2002 Ravens, that's what they did with their big contracts. They had a couple of guys they really needed to get rid of. Leon Searcy, who had signed in 2001, never played a snap for the Ravens. They needed to get his contract off the books. And of course, Elvis Gerback, who they were done with after one year. Elvis. Maybe unfairly, maybe fairly. He didn't play well for the Ravens. He was obviously very screwed up by 9/11, as a lot of Americans were, and you know it's, it, he never got back on track uh, with his football career. And uh, you know it's, it, they just had to get out of that contract. I, I want to make one relativization here that I think needs to be made: is the Ravens have two enormous pivotal decisions to make with regard to the 2019 roster salary-wise. Now, a whole bunch of them are kind of marginal satellite moons, whatever you want to call them, but the two gigantic ones um, are Mosley on defense and Flacco on offense, whether or not you keep those contracts. In relative size, in terms of the relative size of those two situations, the Mosley situation is absolutely enormous relative to the Flacco situation. Flacco, there's a lot of dead money on the contract, but that's there whether or not the Ravens um, those prorated bonuses are there whether or not the Ravens keep Flacco or they dump him. So the, the actual difference in terms of what they're paying him to play is relatively less than all of the signing bonus decision that they'll make with regard to Mosley. So those are the two guys who have the biggest um, uh, biggest dollar amounts involved. And the guy, the third guy who will enter that picture if he's if the Ravens decide they really need to try and keep him is Darius Smith, who will be a, a fairly substantial uh, cap number and a, and a substantial amount of um, uh, guaranteed money to go with this contract. He won't be as much as Mosley, but he but he'd be still a lot. All right. Let's move on to the transitional guys, the guys who you say will be out of here. Last year, there yeah. were 11 guys on this list. Uh, all of them are now gone. This year, yeah. you've got eight guys, and I think I can argue for one of them to stick around next year. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to start with naming the 11 guys last year who are now gone, and I had on the transitional list at the end of last season. So it's Luke Boanco, Andrew Denal, Crockett Gilmore, Brandon Kublanow, Ryan Mallett, Stefan Nembot, Vince Miley, Brashad Perryman, Maurice Shakir, Terrence West, and Tim White, who is still hanging on on the practice squad for the Ravens. So he's, he's not completely gone, but he's not on the roster. So just listen to that set of backup offensive linemen, and you really realize it's the not-for-long league. I don't know. Uh, it sounds pretty similar to this year's list. Well, this year's list is is 
I think it's probably a little better, but it's it, it definitely has some players who are not going to be around. So the transitional uh, group has eight players. Uh, we'll just we'll just name them here right now, and then we can talk about what, whichever ones you'd like. Quincy Adeboyjo, uh, Kenneth Dixon, who just got reinstated, so he definitely could improve his stock in the last seven games of this year. Uh, Gus Edwards, who just who I don't know if he he just got cut or he is about to get cut um, in exchange for who's coming back right now in terms of availability. There's a player. There's a player's activated, and, and Gus Edwards is probably going to be the next cut. Ronis Grasso, uh, I don't see him around. Robert Griffin the uh, third. We can talk about Jaleel Scott. Obviously, lost his entire rookie season. Delance Turner, uh, another rookie running back in the same category as Edwards, pretty much. And Max Williams, uh, who is in his last year under his rookie deal, will be an unrestricted free agent at the end of this year, and has been deactivated the last few weeks. So uh, that's the that's the group of eight this year. Is there anybody you want to talk about in particular, Josh? Uh, well, yeah, I think I can make a case that RG three will be here next year. You know, it's a, it's a reasonable possibility because if he goes out to the market and finds that there is not a starting role available, which is what he obviously really would really like, uh, then he may decide that the Ravens' backup situation is as good as any backup situation, and maybe even because the because the style of the players. It makes more sense for the Ravens to sign Griffin than it does for another team because they're, because they're going to be able to run the same offense with or without Lamar Jackson. Right. That's my argument is uh, RG3 is a great backup for Lamar Jackson, mm-hmm. uh, much better than having Joe Flacco on your bench backing, <laughs> backing him up, um, and a guy who hasn't been able to prove anything yet this year to show that he'll be valuable to another team next year. Certainly true, and and yet Griffin's not getting any younger. But remarkably, he's still only age twenty eight or twenty nine right now, I believe. And I've got to look that up to be sure. But you know, yep. he's not beyond the point where his his career could still be resuscitated with a with a good opportunity somewhere else, or you know, more likely with a lucky injury from his perspective somewhere else that gets him playing time. Of course, um, on this list, who's the most disappointing for you? That's a good question. I've been very disappointed with the career of Kenneth Dixon. So, by the way, there's been some speculation going around about what's going on with Kenneth Dixon. And I want to try and decode what I think Harbaugh is saying about it. He said he had some issue with the league, or I thought he intimated that Dixon had some issue with the league that was holding him back from coming back from from IR. Yes. And I I am not— Waiting for approval, right? Wait, yeah, that that sort of thing. So there could be two possibilities on that, and I want people to really consider either, since the obvious jump to conclusions is that Dixon has some sort of suspension issue that he's dealing with. I don't think that's necessarily it. I think it could be a health issue. So there, there could be some uh, something they found that that uh, maybe makes him a greater concussion risk or a, a greater risk to neck or head injury that the league is is unhappy with. And the words that got me thinking about that was Harbaugh said I'm not allowed to talk about it and it's up to him to tell you what he wants to about that it kind of sounds like more like a health issue yeah. than a PED issue or a, or a suspension issue reminds me of the retirement we had a couple years ago Zach Orr yeah yeah with Zach Orr very similar wording um, alright well Ken we got through 33 names today to get, so you add this on with our defense and we've talked about every player on the team that's right. So, so every, every player who's who's not on uh, who's not on the practice squad, we we got covered on on the roster in some form. Yep. So after this episode, we go back into our normal pace of shows where we'll talk about the uh, we'll look back at the Bengals game, we'll look ahead to the Raiders game, hopefully uh, with something positive to watch for, or we'll be talking about Lamar Jackson's first start, either looking back at his first start or looking ahead to his <laughs> first start, maybe. Yeah, we'll definitely be looking forward to more Lamar Jackson uh, play, unfortunately, if the Ravens don't get it done. this We should talk just for a second about the game coming up because this is Waterloo for the 2018 Ravens. If, if they cannot get motivated for this game, you know, they, there's there really wasn't any hope for them to start with. They're going to have to face several such battles, but this, this game against Cincinnati is the most important. It's the one they cannot lose. They, they have other games against... Uh, you know, Atlanta, maybe, that, that if they lost it, it wouldn't be the end of the world, or certainly Kansas City or, or the Chargers, who a lot of people expect them to lose to. But they cannot lose this game to Cincinnati. They just cannot lose it, and um, it, it's I, uh, I mean, they need to be motivated for it. Right, that's facts, and I would still take someone's bet today 
who, that I think Joe Flacco's starting on Sunday. I still think he's the guy on the field on Sunday, not uh, Lamar. Uh, that's that's interesting. I, I, I hope you're right because I think he does give them the best, the best chance to win. Although, you know, mixing all three quarterbacks will give him a, a good chance to win. But the, the uh, uh, no doubtful player in Ravens history has ever played was a, a, a comment I saw in the sun today. I haven't heard that. That's an interesting stat. Um, so but, doubtful is supposed to be a 75% chance to not play. But every year your coaches are manipulating things more. And you know what? When you don't practice all week, listen, you was doubtful. Sure, let the Bengals prepare for Lamar Jackson all week and then put Joe in there. I mean, from that standpoint, it makes absolute sense. Josh, I got to say it makes absolute sense. I don't, I don't think that the, uh, the Ravens should face any trouble from the league. I mean, if it, you can easily manage your list, by the way, list of injuries, by just deciding who's not going to play, manufacturing injuries, and then, and then – uh, demonstrating over time that your questionable list has been approximately 50%, your doubtful list has been approximately 75%. It wouldn't be hard to do that, by the way. Right. It's about as hard as shaving points in a bowling league probably is. I mean, just uh, it'd be an easy thing to manipulate. All right, Ken. Well, we will talk on uh, Monday, whether we're talking RG3, Lamar Jackson, Joe Flacco. Actually, we talk defense on Monday. So it'll be Tuesday night. We're going to talk about one of these quarterbacks, if not all go. three. Maybe they'll use all three on Sunday. How how fun would that be? It, it, I mean, I I, I got to think through this, but why wouldn't you make all three active if Joe's starting in case Joe goes down? Yeah, I mean, you're it's that's it's a possibility that they could have all three active. They def, they have to make a sacrifice to do it, so it's a it, that would really be right. a question, but it's it is possible. All right, I can well have a uh, good weekend. Take it easy, guys. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch, now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.